Hello and welcome to the Newsmax Daily for Tuesday, November 21st, 2023, or 11-21-23 digitally. There are now exactly 40 days left in 2023, two days before Thanksgiving, and today, for some reason, is National Stuffing Day. I guess we couldn't have it on Thanksgiving because then Thanksgiving would be National Stuffing Day and not Thanksgiving. But maybe the day after Thanksgiving, when everyone is eating it again and the debate will continue all week long, is it stuffing or is it dressing? Some say it depends on where you come from. Others, including myself, say if it's stuffed inside the turkey or around the turkey or anything else, then it's stuffing. If it's just on the side, like a dressing, you know, dressing the table, I think is where the term comes from, then it's dressing. Today is also World Television Day, created in 1996 by the UN General Assembly, believe it or not. On the same day, the first World Television Forum was held. The day was created to give recognition to the increasing impact that television has on people's lives and the decisions that they make. And this was back in 1996, well before any kind of streaming and all the potential impact of television programming today. Last week, the cable was out for almost an entire day. Yes, we still have cable, but cable and Wi-Fi, which we get from the same company, was out. My son was losing his mind. I said, try and imagine years ago how people lived every day like this. No TV, no Wi-Fi, no phone. People that weren't alive before the internet or didn't grow up without a cell phone just cannot comprehend. I mean, it's completely incomprehensible. The impact of the internet and technology on our lives has been so profound, that profound, that people literally cannot fathom life without it. If you were watching Newsmax on cable or streaming Newsmax last night, I, I just I find it funny. People say cancel debates and stuff. Last time I checked, the people decide who they want to nominate and who they want to elect. And Iowans are going to ch- chance to do that. We, so we're going to be we're going to be showing up debates. I mean, we're going to do the debate with Gavin Newsom on November 30th. We're going to do the Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I believe it's December 6th. Six, I've been saying we need a debate in Iowa before the Iowa caucus. We got to do that. And we need a debate. And we need a debate in New Hampshire before that primary. So hopefully they'll be able to do that. I think the debates are better when you have fewer people on stage. That first debate, there was eight people, and it was harder to get a word in edgewise. As it gets down to two or three, I think it's going to be a lot more meaningful. Which two or three? You brought it up. Right. Well, look, me and hopefully um, uh, Donald Trump and whoever wants to be the third can come. I mean, that's fine. But I do think he should debate. I think he owes it to the people to debate. Uh, he needs to prove that, that, that he's going to be able to, to, to handle this. And so, uh, but I'll be there. I mean, I'll show up and we're going to debate. Florida governor and GOP presidential candidate Ron DeSantis challenging former President Donald Trump to a one-on-one debate on Newsmax. This is the rest of that segment from the Iowa Newsmax Town Hall with Eric Bowling and Bianca De La Garza. Would you welcome President Xi in Florida? No, we wouldn't do that. I think that... Um, When you see what happens, he went over to China and groveled to Xi, and then they do all this, like, this San Francisco's a pigsty, but because it's Xi, then they do all this stuff. They actually cleaned the feces off the sidewalk. They cleaned up some of the drug use, all this stuff. Uh, But it just shows you 
Um, you know, that's the boss coming in there that these guys are all genuflected. You saw these CEOs paying $40,000 to be able to sit there and dine with them. They did a standing ovation when he gave a speech. Uh, that's not how I roll with this. I think China is a threat to this country. Uh, I think we need to decouple our economy from China. We rely on China for pharmaceuticals, things involving military equipment, all these things that are key to national survival. We got to go through China. Why would we want to put ourselves in that predicament? So this has happened over many decades. A lot of people on Wall Street made money. There's no question. But it has weakened this country, and it has strengthened an adversary. We were promised that if you, if you uh, do most favored nation and put them in the WTO, that China would become more democratic. It's been the opposite. They're much more authoritarian today than they were 20, 25 years ago. And their military is much stronger today than it was 20, 25 years ago. And of course, at a town hall, voters get to ask questions. My name is Jody, and I'm out of Johnston. If you were president, how would you ensure that Israel had everything she needs to stop Hamas and root them out once and for all and stop the aggression of Iranian regime? Well, thanks, Jody. It's an important question. I would clearly do much different than what Biden's doing. He's saying he supports Israel, and then he turns around and he kneecaps Israel behind the scenes. That's wrong. So they'll have our unwavering support. Yes, we continue with military support, Iron Dome, some of those things that, that we have a relationship with. We absolutely will, will, will do that, um, and we will provide them with the support so that they can fight and win the war. And as I told Eric, uh, we're going to turn the screws on the Iranians. We're going to understand that they are uh, hostile to this country, hostile to Israel, and stop sending them money. Stop letting them get this. I mean, Obama airlifted billions of dollars in cash and dropped it off in Iran when he was president. Biden has opened the spigot. They're making huge amounts of money on selling oil. And then, of course, China's buying oil from them off the black market. So Iran, ultimately, uh, we are going to deep six their entire economy uh, with our sanctions. And they're not going to be able to fund Hezbollah and Hamas like they have under this administration. Thanks, David. Florida Governor and GOP presidential candidate Ron DeSantis at the Newsmax Town Hall in Iowa last night. The Republican Party of Iowa's presidential caucuses are coming up quick. January 15th, Democrats will also caucus in Iowa on January 15th, which is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, a federal holiday. DeSantis received some more disappointing poll numbers ahead of the town hall yesterday as well. A University of North Florida poll showing Trump with a 39-point lead over the Florida governor in the state of Florida. The poll of 788 people, so we don't take a lot of stock in polls to begin with, especially if you're Ron DeSantis, and we don't take a lot of stock in polls that are only 788 people. But the poll shows Trump at 60% compared to DeSantis at 21%. Nikki Haley was third with only 6%. And even though President Trump won the fight to stay on the Colorado presidential ballot, which I talked about yesterday, his lawyers are still appealing the case because the judge apparently said that while she agreed Donald Trump incited the January 6th Capitol in Insurrection, the Constitution's 14th Amendment, doesn't specifically apply to a president, so she left his name, she let his name stay on the ballot. While Trump's attorneys are appealing, saying that the judge made findings about the attack on the Capitol unsupported by law. 
And yesterday I said you were going to hear a lot about the newly released January 6th video from the U.S. Capitol, right? At least you're going to hear a lot about it on Newsmax. Chris Salcedo, host of the Chris Salcedo Show with West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morrissey. Good to see you, Mr. Attorney General. Uh, The left's January 6th narrative, it's collapsing, sir. Republican Senator Mike Lee is calling for an investigation into the January 6th committee, claiming they selectively ignored, ignored evidence. Those in Congress and in our government who withheld these tapes need to be brought to justice. But I, as an American conservative, won't call for Liz Cheney and crying Kinsinger to have their due process rights denied, as has happened with those being associated with the fake narrative of January 6th. How can Americans get justice for what these pushers of fake news did to us? Well, first of all, I think we want to commend the House leadership for finally getting a lot of this information out, right? This is important, and the American public deserves to have the information so that they can process it and they can reach their own judgments, because what you did is you had a committee that was really jaded from the very beginning to come up with a pre-baked narrative about everything that happened. And I, I think that's just reckless. That's a shame. So I do think it's good to get to the bottom of all of this. But the best thing is for everyone to have a chance to start to go through all of that tape and to be able to reach their own conclusions and then have people better put that in context of everything that happened. So I'm a big believer that you should have more transparency, get this information out. And obviously, as we begin to find out the people that were purposely lying to the American public about all of this, we need to call them out for that uh, because these are not trustworthy people and they've been perpetuating a false news narrative for a very long time. That's West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morrissey on the Chris Salcedo Show. That's 2 o'clock Eastern on Newsmax, a must-watch Newsmax program. And with more on the false news narrative, we go to Carl Higby. And we also still don't know how many people were undercover and why. It even appears that the FBI doesn't know either. Or at least they're maybe lying to us, or they just don't know. Either could be true. In fact, the chief of Capitol Police testified that he was also given no information on undercover agents and was advised not to respond to the January 6th. We actually have evidence and records uh, indicating plainclothes MPD officers were on Capitol grounds on January 6th. Um, And you're saying you weren't aware that they would have embedded those officers within the the crowd. They didn't make you aware of that. No, no, sir, they did not make me aware of it. It's not unusual for agencies to have plainclothes units deployed around major events. Uh, But no, I was not made aware that they'd be on Capitol grounds. Chief Sun, since January 6, 2021, you have, have you testified or been asked to testify publicly before a committee of the House of Representatives? No, sir. Did the January 6th Select Committee ask you to publicly testify before their committee? No, sir. Hmm, weird. The chief of the Capitol Police wasn't invited to speak before the January 6th Committee? Hmm. They also seem to fire some sort of either tear gas or smoke into the crowd that, from the looks of the video, which seems to be a pretty peaceful group with people standing there videotaping it. This begs the question. What came first, the tear gas or the pandemonium? Did one cause the other? We'll see. But I can tell you one thing. This level of force was not used again the other day against the pro-Hamas demonstrators or at the White House. It was unbelievable. So why was it used here January 6th? The other thing we're now seeing from these videos is that it's very little confrontation with the police, if any, is shown. 
So far, there doesn't seem to be anything more than a respectful interaction with the fuzz, and the crowd turns around when they were asked to leave. The one spot of violence, the one spot, was Ashley Babbitt, who was the only one killed on that day, by the way, shot by the same Capitol Police officer who is still employed and, two years prior, had left his gun unattended in a bathroom. Lieutenant Mike Byrd, this guy fired a weapon at an unarmed woman through a door with officers directly in his line of fire right behind him. As the video goes on, it appears that both law enforcement and the protesters worked together to attempt to save her life and evacuate her from the video, which we won't show you because of how graphic it is. But it's freely available on the Internet, and I encourage you to go watch it. The only ones yelling and swearing appear to be the police officers, not the protesters. We still haven't seen the other side of the footage from behind the shooter, whether or not confirmed lethal force was even actually needed. But from my vantage point, with a significant background in use of force, by the way, doesn't seem to meet the bar. So Carl mentioned his background and his training as an active duty Navy SEAL with multiple tours. And he brings up another question that you may be asking yourself after the new House Speaker Mike Johnson released the tapes. But the real question is, why was this never released under McCarthy? What Was he hiding? What deals did he make behind the scenes? Because if it was so simple that Mike Johnson could just release it in a matter of a few weeks after taking the speakership, why didn't McCarthy do it in this nine-month tenure? You see why I never trusted him? We know the Democrats were ardently opposed to releasing the full tapes, obviously, probably for the exact same reason we're seeing now. It destroys their narrative completely. And the lengths that they went to to lie, they deceived, they misled us on all the reason those tapes shouldn't be released should be carved into everyone's memory as a monument to never trusting Democrats again. Donald Trump participated in each substantially and personally. He oversaw or directed the activity of those involved. I want to be very clear. Those who perform these reprehensible acts cannot be called protesters. No, these were rioters and insurrectionists, goons and thugs, domestic terrorists. On January 6th, Trump knew the crowd was angry. He knew the crowd was armed. He sent them to the Capitol anyway. You might imagine that our founders would have been shocked to learn that an American president would one day come to embrace and excuse political violence against our own institutions or knowingly send an armed mob to attack the Capitol, to usurp the will of the people. Jamie Raskin went on to say that we can't release the tapes because it'll expose, you know, intricate workings and the schematics of the Capitol building. Nice try, Jamie. You can go online and see a map of the Capitol. Hell, you can schedule a tour of the halls yourself. It was all a ploy to make Trump out to be the bad guy in an attempt to keep him from running for the White House again. We're seeing this in multiple states where they're trying to get him off the ballot, using it as if he was convicted. He wasn't even charged. But they conveniently always leave this part out. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. There have been more than 1,069 defendants charged. Sure, some people did some really stupid stuff that day. Not discounting that. But not 1,000 people, but some. I've reviewed as much of this video as I can since I started releasing it, and all it has done is counter the left's narrative. But the one thing that is absent right now, more than anything, 
is the footage and proof that there were a thousand people attempting an insurrection. Because you know if there was, all these left-leaning groups would have been putting it on the front page right now, but it's not. And again, that's Carl Higby, host of Frontline, 5 o'clock Eastern on Newsmax. And speaking of the new Republican House Speaker, Mike Johnson, he and former President Donald Trump, who he has already endorsed for president again, met face-to-face for the first time last night. Johnson apparently attended a Republican fundraiser at the Mar-a-Lago Resort, Trump's home. There's also a lot of talk about Argentina's new outspoken anti-socialist president, Javier Milei who some in the media have already called the Trump of Argentina. We get more from Rob Schmidt. Millet referred to as El Loco when he was younger for his antics with a shock victory as socialism shows clear signs of failure and collapse again in Latin America, a story that is on repeat. The Argentines seeing those signs, trying to save their society before it turns into Venezuela or Cuba or Ecuador or Chile. Recent left-wing administrations have done to Argentina exactly the same things we're seeing here in the United States, printing money to rapidly expand the government, bribing their voter base with free goodies. It is the same shtick every single time, and it's a trap. It's always a trap. Javier Millet knows the truth. Socialists are duplicitous animals, telling voters everything they want to hear as they destroy their society. Millet isn't afraid to eviscerate the cancerous tumor that is the socialist politician, and he does not mince words. You can't give left an inch. Can you define leftists? All collectivists, all kind of collectivists. But why do you call them because they are if you think differently of them they will kill you and since we are getting better than them since we are crushing them in the cultural battle we're not only superior economically we are morally superior we are aesthetically superior we are better than them at everything and that triggers them and since they can't beat us with real arguments they just use the repressive apparatus of the state with loads of taxpayer money to destroy us and yet they are still losing they had to remove the blacklist you understand they're losing they're desperate leftists are losing the cultural battle for the first time ever they are cornered those leftists oh that sounds so good you could listen to that all day long so cathartic in these insane times when we're surrounded by all these socialists in this country rare to see somebody with the stones to call the left what they truly are Millet speaks even bolder than Trump did. He's completely unafraid, and the people absolutely love him. His anger is totally justified. He's fighting an ideology that is destroying the world one country at a time, has destroyed so many countries in uh, his area. He's fighting the same disease that our nation is fighting, only his nation is far sicker. A government with one goal, say whatever it needs to say to grow large enough so the people can never escape it. Javier Millet will now attempt to dismantle a rather large tumor. Commentary from Rob Schmidt, host of Rob Schmidt Tonight. So yesterday kicked off the holiday week, essentially kicking off the holiday season, right? Everywhere I went over the weekend, people were already Christmas shopping for supplies, decorations, gifts, whatever. I was even in my local Walmart. Last night, four people doing just that were shot at a Walmart in Ohio after a man walked into the store and started shooting, according to police. 
Right as we got here, we saw one person getting like gurneyed and getting taken away, and then another one not too long after. And I don't, it was just a lot going on. Fortunately, it looks like the four victims will survive. The shooter died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Come on, people. Is this how we're going to start off the holiday season? I tell you again, do not, do not ignore anyone you know who may be struggling or appearing to be struggling mentally or is threatening violence. Take everything like that very serious and be very careful and vigilant wherever you go. Meanwhile, the New York Police Department, NYPD, is going to spend $390 million on a new radio system. $390 million on a new radio system that will encrypt the officers' communications, which would reverse the century-old practice of allowing the public and the press to listen to police dispatches. NYPD Chief of Information Technology Ruben Beltran said bad actors have used our radios against us and we have to stop giving the bad guys our game plan, which is true. I mean, you see that all the time in movies, even the bad guys listening in on the police radios, right? But critics say losing public access to the radio means losing accountability for police, which is also true. And many news reporters and photojournalists also use police radios to chase down breaking stories and hold police accountable. Something else we've seen many, many times over decades. Addressing the transparency concerns, Beltran said the NYPD is the most transparent police force in the country. I'm from New York. It's the most crooked place in the entire country. Greg Kelly, whose father was the commissioner of police in New York, would know a lot more about that. But aside from any kind of stifling of the press or transparency issues, I think the real crime is whomever is charging the NYPD $390 million. Yes, every cop and cop car has a radio. So there's thousands of them, maybe tens of thousands of them. And technology is expensive, I know. But $390 million. Maybe Donald Trump can negotiate for the NYPD. You remember when he got the new Air Force One down to like half of the original price? All right, be sure to keep up with all the news on Newsmax, available on AT&T, Comcast, Cox Cable, uh, Verizon, Spectrum, Xfinity, and many others. And be sure you're signed up for the new Newsmax Plus. Go to NewsmaxPlus.com. That's NewsmaxPlus.com. You can get a free trial right there. All your favorite shows like Eric Bowling, Rob Schmidt, Greg Kelly, uh, Greta Van Susteren, Carl Higby, and more are now on Newsmax Plus. Thank you for listening to the Newsmax Daily. I'm Tony Marino. Enjoy the rest of your day. If you're traveling, good luck with that. And keep on fighting the good fight. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere.